Hi, this is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Hey, I got a new one coming out now. New one out, actually, with Richard Powers. His last novel, Overstory, won the Pulitzer, and he's got a new book out. And we talked about that new book and about what it was like to win a Pulitzer and sort of recover from that and how he's changed things up for himself and doing different kind of work. It was a really interesting conversation, a very reflective guy, very thoughtful, uh, just a great conversation. And uh, you can find that at authormagazine.org. And we, of course, funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They have been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955, and you can learn all about them pnwa.org. We finished our conference. You know, it was a virtual one. This, we just finished it in September, but I think we're always going to have a virtual, excuse me, virtual aspect to all our conferences henceforth. So no matter where you are listening to this now, if you want to come to a great writers conference, uh, PNWA is one of the best in the country. So uh, check it out. You can learn about us at pnwa.org. Uh, all right, not a lot going on with me right now. Everyone Has What It Takes is out there. Writer's Guide to the End of Self-Doubt. If you haven't picked up your copy, get it. We're all fine. Books are sold. But hey, I'm really excited about today's guest, Joanna Penn. That's who I had the pleasure of talking to. What an interesting woman. Joanna writes nonfiction for authors and is an award-nominated New York Times and USA Today best-selling thriller author as J.F. Penn. She's also an award-winning podcaster, creative entrepreneur, an international professional speaker, and she has a lot of good things to say about writing, about the process, and just, you know, about life. And uh, I'm really glad I get to share it with you now. So enjoy. Joanna, welcome. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Bill. I'm happy to be here. Oh, this is a lot of fun. I'm really glad to have you on. I, I, If I understand correctly, you're publishing journey your uh, began in 2008 if i do did i did, am i remembering correctly yes that is right i i wrote a non-fiction book i was living in australia i'm british as people might can hear from my accent but uh, i wrote a first non-fiction book about career change and i looked at the publishing industry in australia and it was going to take about two years before a book might come out and right. so i was like yeah, you know, and I've been running my own business for about a decade at that point. And I was like, do you know what? I think I'll just do this myself. So this was before the Kindle, before print yeah. on demand. And so, yes, I put that, put that first book out, 2008. And obviously the world is very different now. Yeah, no kidding. All right. So let's back up a little bit. So you had been running your own business for 10 years, which is a very good background for an indie author. I always tell my students and clients, if you want to independently publish, which is fine, you better be interested in being a business person, I think. I think you've got to have that hat you're interested in wearing. And so you had been. And so what was the business you were running prior to publishing that first book? Yeah, well, sort of when I left university, I have a degree in theology from the University theology. of Oxford. Theology. <laughs> I know. Okay. Well, hey, <laughs> is, you know. 
That's interesting. Not, okay. So you studied that and said, I know what I'll do. I'll start my own business. Yes. Well, <laughs> I, I, I do use it in my fiction, which you might come back to, but basically I went into uh, consulting. I joined Accenture and, uh, you know, companies like Capgemini, IBM and worked in consulting for 13 years, but on and off, I, I was a contractor. So I was running my own sort of self-employed business. I also ran a scuba diving company during that time. <laughs> I did property investment. I did oh. uh, online travel itinerary. So I've always been someone who I don't have any patience, basically. I think, well, I can do this myself. I'm a very sort of can-do person. And so, but coming back to what you said there about indie authors needing to be interested in business, I think you're absolutely right. But it's important to say you don't have to no business it's like the writing craft you you learn the writing craft you learn about the business of being an author you learn about marketing and look to be honest however you're published you have to learn business it's It's got money involved (laughs) it's true it's you know it it, they're absolutely um i just i mean i know i know that i'm traditionally published i know enough about the spectrum to know that i am my own business person but I'm in, a, I'm in collaboration with a lot of people who handle a bunch of things that I don't want to handle. So it's really, so I, I like that aspect, but I absolutely agree, Joanna, you have to learn it. And there's, and, and, and sometimes it's interesting that you mentioned that when I'm working with clients and students, the thing they forget about is learning. There's kind of a sense sometimes if they don't know it, they can't do it. They don't already, even though we are learning things all the time, I think that there is something within a lot of humans that thinks I don't have it now. Ergo, it can't come to me through the natural process of learning. Does that make sense? Mm. They forget that part of humanity. Yeah, and I think that's very common for writers, because let's face it, we're readers first. And when we read a book, it has been through a very long process. But when we write a book, we're writing that first draft. And so the difference between our first draft and the books we love, the finished draft of someone else's book is so great that when you start out, you think, oh, I'm so terrible, I'll never get this. So you have to learn that skill. And but this is again, you mean you mentioned about collaboration and working with other people. You know, I have all kinds. In fact, just now I just sent my latest novella to my editor. Um, You know, I use editors, I use cover designers, I work with um, marketing people, we all work with other people to do you're in charge. You're but you are the (laughs) boss, Joanna. There's you at the top. And then there's all the people you hire, all the people, all the contractors. Now I'm kind of the boss, but it's a little different. I'm not, and by the way, I'm not, I think you have to like being the one sort of where ultimately everything, every buck stops with you, right? I mean, every cover design, every, everything does stop with you, right? Yes, but I would say the buck doesn't stop with me. The buck starts with me. The, the main difference <laughs> is that the right. money, yes. the money comes to my bank account first, that's and then right. I pay contractors. Whereas the money doesn't come to you first; it goes to other no, people that's, first. That's so right. I think that's really important for people to remember. But coming back to the craft, uh, I think you can you have to learn this stuff. And if it's not fun to learn this stuff, uh, then you're you're not going to want to be a writer because you know the best writers learn for their whole lives. It's not something like oh now I can write a novel and that's it for the rest of my life if if that was it we wouldn't do this I mean I this the one I just sent to my editor it's like my 18th novel and I you know I learn something every single time and if I didn't I would stop (laughs) good good for you okay so let's back up a little bit so you're so you're a consultant you're you're doing all this stuff but you write your first book which was like what was that first book it was a nonfiction book and it was to help people what 
It was career change. It was career called change. career change. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, and you knew a bit about that already. <laughs> and so, all right, but so you, but you, and, and you've gone on to publish a lot of books for writers uh, and, and 18 now and counting uh, fiction books, which are primarily suspense. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you call it suspense in America, uh, right. but over here we would say thriller. I do crime thrillers, uh, action adventure thrillers, right. and also dark fantasy and a bit of horror. So I write oh, across right. quite a lot of genres. Right. A little <laughs> all over the place. But uh, when were you interested in being a fiction writer when you published that first sort of self-help book? What was your relationship to, to fiction writing at that time? Yeah, it's such a great question. And like many authors, <laughs> uh, I, because I'm, I think because I went to Oxford and also my mum was an English literature teacher, it uh. was sort of widely considered, and my dad's also a teacher, it was widely considered in my family that the only novel worth writing would be something that might win the Pulitzer Prize right. or the Booker Prize. Booker Prize. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I had to be a prize winner. And so I spent many years think, read like always reading, 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 but thinking I could never write a novel because I can't be, Hillary Mantel or whatever so right. then uh Dan Brown the Da Vinci Code yeah. happened yeah. and because of I think because of my theology and just to be clear I'm not a Christian but I have I specialize in psychology of religion I love religious history and architecture right. and traveling for religious right. reasons and so I saw Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code take off massively and then authors like James Rollins Steve Berry and yeah. these are the books I love to read and so I I did NaNoWriMo in 2009 ah, which <laughs> another NaNoWriMoer okay yeah so that was 2009 if people don't know National Novel Writing Month every November and I was like do you know what I'm just gonna write something a bit like Dan Brown slash James Rollins right. and I, I wrote 20,000 words of what became sort of 18 months later became Stone of Fire my first arcane thriller which right. is uh, surprisingly a, like a religious thriller in that vein and the one I just sent away was the 13th in that series so basically so that was the what first yes. first time you actually sat down to write fiction you hadn't been writing stories as a girl when you're a kid and you just uh, well I did I wrote, I wrote stories but I was always a journaler I journaled right. all the time but not fiction yeah, but I but think you know it, I've always written yeah basically. the journal I, I always say to my students if they keep journals like that is a good the thing I like about the journal it, 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 there is a one problem with it problem which is that it, you do can write in a language that only you understand if you want because you're writing ostensibly just to yourself right mm. so you don't have to worry about the reader and it making sense but the I think the emotional relationship to the journal which is stress-free which is non-judgmental which is curious which is internal I think that's a great relationship to the printed to the written word when, even when you're writing for a reader what do you think yeah, I agree. And also, weirdly, uh, years later, I found ideas that I later used in novels in, you know, I travel because most of my novels are based on places I've traveled. Right. And so I found these things that I'd thought about when I was, say, in Jerusalem or in Lisbon or whatever, and they'd appeared in books. And I thought about it years ago. But as you know, it all kind of goes into our brains and melds around for a bit and then it pops out at some other point. But coming back on your journals, I'm actually leaving this weekend just after we speak to uh, walk another pilgrimage pilgrimage um it, here one? in england the st cuthbert's way oh, oh st cuthbert oh very good and <laughs> was he a martyr did he suffer uh, well of course they, they all suffer but he's kind of famous for uh facing up to the vikings and being ah, a very oh, early right. okay. yeah 
so um, anyway, but what I did the Pilgrim's Way last year and I'm doing the Camino um, de Santiago. Camino, yeah, I interviewed a German comedian, famous German comedian who I'd never heard of because aren't there a lot of, aren't many German <laughs> comedians, but he had done it and written a memoir about it and it had changed his life. He'd lost all Well, that's exactly. And so Camino. I'm now, the journals I write on these walks, I'm turning into travel memoirs. So yeah. ah. I feel like the journaling nice. aspect of it is really good, especially for memoir. And of course, this is a thing as writers. I think the more books we write, the more books we write. I mean, we just, it's just addictive. <laughs> it is. Ah, it's a good addiction though. It's a healthy addiction. Oh yes. It is the stuff of life. And you know, I, I love that you, it's interesting. So you, you, you described an experience that is very familiar to a lot of uh, what we call genre fiction writers, which is um, especially like you, if you're raised in a, um, academic and literary household, and you go to a prestigious university, um, there is a sense like there's real fiction and then the stuff that you, you know, are actually that you yourself are interested in writing. But I think that this is, I do believe it's true, that if you are someone who is drawn to write genre fiction, genre to write thrillers, suspense, fantasy, whatever, and you read something like Ulysses or Hemingway or whatever, right? You're going to think I can't do that, but it's only because you're not interested in it. I really do believe that it's not that you are somehow lesser than or incapable of, but I can't write your book and you can't write my book. Like I am, I feel that is an absolute and that you're just recognizing in them something that is not personally interesting to you. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think you have to write what you love to read. And when I was working my day job um, as an IT consultant, I got, I just hated it, basically. It was just not what, I didn't love it at all. And I would right. find myself buying thrillers during, and I'm very fast reader, I'd buy several thrillers a week and read them in the lunch hour on the train. And they were my escape from my right. day job. And so I write now to help other people escape whatever it is in their life they want to escape and just have fun. And I think this is, this is a really big thing. I used to take myself super seriously and write, writing's really important. And of right. course it's really important, but also it is meant to be like, why would I do this if I hated doing it, if I had to suffer all the Thank time? You. And I think it Thank has to be fun. Like part yes. of it has to be yes. a, a good time. Otherwise I would just go get a job, you know, a different job. <laughs> do you know that when I teach, I, I often teach adults. That's usually who I often people, you know, later on in life, they're not in college anymore, even, you know, they're moved on. They really want to write. One of the hardest things I have to impress upon them is that they're supposed to be enjoying themselves. Like that's how they know the story is headed in the right direction for them is that they're enjoying it, that they're having something that resembles fun, not skipping, not fun, like, uh, I don't know, playing marbles when you're a kid is fun, but there is a sense of play and that you're supposed like, that's how you know it's going well, is the fun, is the enjoyment, is the thrill. And for so many adults, it's like, work hard, put your time in, chop the wood, and fun is for when you're done working, right? Yeah, I think, and yes, you, as you say, it's not fun, fun, like, you know, playing in the swimming it's pool a, type yeah, fun. it's a little but different. Yeah, but what I, I mean, I love research. I do a lot of research and that for me is fun. I do a lot of traveling. Uh, I am a full-time author entrepreneur. So I, well, out of COVID times, I was doing yeah. a lot of traveling. And, yep. and so that's really part of the fun for me. But then turning that into a story and 
I love writing thrillers because basically if it gets boring, you blow something up or you kill someone or you find <laughs> right. something really cool in a tomb, right. uh, you know, which you can't really do in literary fiction. So I, I definitely, I don't, I don't say I'll never try and write it, but um, I love reading and creating uh, books in the genre, in the genres. And also it makes really good money and that's important. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Nothing wrong with getting paid for what you do, especially what you would do for free in a way. Oh, no. Oh, I don't think so. No, I like no, you wouldn't. You paid. wouldn't. Okay, wait, wait. <laughs> you were writing in your journal and no one was paying you to do it. Now, I know. Yeah, you, but you, I wasn't publishing it either. Yeah, but but <laughs> on some level, even if if tomorrow the whole publishing world shut down, you'd still probably write something. Oh, I would. Of course, I would write. But I think it's very important that authors get paid. Oh, and 100%. there's too much in this industry where people don't get paid. So I'm, I'm definitely someone who's very pro writers making lots of money. I agree. I, I only do things. I, I get paid for what I do, but everything I get paid for, I would do for free because I, I just like doing it. But I also get paid for it. And I my goal was to say, I want to get paid for something I would do without getting paid to do it. And that that's been that's been my whole objective in life. And it seems to be working out. Right. But so you don't just write fiction. No, 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 no. You also write, as do I actually books for writers. Right. You've got a whole bunch of books to help. And many of my listeners are writers. So talk to me about your decision to start writing for writers. Well, I think for nonfiction uh, and maybe it's similar for you, you, you write what you want to learn. Yeah. Or you write what you need to know yourself. So I, for example, uh, I've got a third edition now of how to market a book. And I wrote that. I don't have a degree in marketing. All I've done is learn how to market a book. And over the years, I've updated that book with the things I've learned along the way. And that, I mean, it's a huge part of any author's life is the marketing side. Even if you have a traditional publisher, you're still going to have to do a lot oh, of yes. marketing. Oh, I know. I yeah, know. exactly. So... <laughs> So I started writing nonfiction in order to share what I learned and also to help other authors. I feel like with writing, you're sort of everyone has to climb the ladders like we talked about, the ladder of the craft, the ladder of the business, the ladder of the mindset, for example. And you can share what you learn with people who are one step or two steps or below you on the ladder while right. you're still learning from people above you. And, and well, like we said, it doesn't mean you're better than anyone else. It just means you've probably been doing this longer. So yeah. I started writing in 2006. So as we are talking, it's been 15 years. So, and I've been full time as an author for a decade, which is, yeah. which gives me some, I guess, some ability to talk about things. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so talk to me about some of the things you've learned that you've learned that you felt were so that you were most interested in sharing. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of stuff because you've written a lot of books about it, but you know, I've got my handful that I really come back to again and again. Mm. What is it that you are, if you could only share two or three things with people, what do you, what do you go to first usually, or does it keep, or does it keep changing? Does it I evolve? think for me, it's the think long-term this is probably my biggest, it's probably also my biggest secret of success as such. Mm -hmm. um, with, with writing, you feel when you're a new writer that that first book, it's going to make you millions and you can retire and it's right. all going to hit the New York Times list and be amazing. And then you realize that that's not true. But if you think long term and you look at what a book might earn you for me, say over a decade or how my fiction books have earned over a decade, it is a lot of money. And right. also 
if I look at where I what I've learned over a decade or, um, you know, the, the people I've met over a decade, the places I've traveled, the books I've got on my shelf that, test, you know, a testament to the work I've put in. It, it all comes together. But if you're stuck in the moment and you think, oh, not enough people are buying my book today or I'm not number one on Amazon or, oh, I just that just failed um, or I didn't get a publisher for that book. You know, wait a couple of years, try again and something will happen. Or and I so I think that it, it's not patience, because like I said, I don't have patience, but it's more like thinking long term around all of it. And if you, yeah. you that also helps with the feeling of I'm not as good as Stephen King right now, right. because, <laughs> you right. know, Stephen King is in his 70s and I'm in my mid 40s. So at some point I will have the years to catch up on Stephen King. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of how I feel is look, he's been writing since he was 14. So I'm already years behind him. But if I keep writing, if I keep learning, if I keep writing different books, trying different things, then my craft will improve. And over time, also my business will improve. So I do think that long term thinking around everything, around the author brand, you know, things like this, like you and I are connecting now 15 years after I started writing, you know, you just can't you can't predict what's going to happen at the beginning. All you need, all you do is keep writing, keep publishing, keep marketing. And over time things happen. Yeah. I don't, I'm very interested in this, which is that desire, your desire is kind of the what, and that is the direction you point, but the how is a, is sort of a, comes about through the sort of a combination of time and the imagination and you can't plan the how. But if you say focused on the what, the how takes care of itself. But you really, but you do have to stay focused on it. You can't doubt its it, its existence. You can't doubt its value. But the rest, sort of, you can't plan out all the. I don't know. Do you do you outline your books? I think of it like writing. Like I don't, I don't personally outline. I know some people do. So. No, I, I don't outline either. I'm I'm a discovery writer, yeah. and and my. I have a kind of rough plan. Like I know pretty much what I'm going to write for the next year, but often it turns out to be something different. (laughs) But I do think that, as you say, you can think, for example, I started podcasting in 2009. The creative pen started, I started a podcast. And my goal. About the same time I started this one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, 2009. And so I, I basically started it because I didn't have any author friends. I didn't know any authors. Uh I wanted to meet authors. just to meet some writers. <laughs> I really did. And I was like, do you know what? This new thing, podcasting, yep. uh, I could talk to people because no one really was doing that, you know, much at right. the time. And that most authors didn't have the technical capability to understand it. So I thought, well, you know what? I'll do that and see what happens. And, you know, still still going episode like 565 or whatever mm. of my podcast. And Great. it's it's brought so many opportunities. Uh, in fact, the, the latest nonfiction I put out, The Relaxed Author, I co-wrote with someone who came on my podcast years right. ago. And um, so, yeah, these things you can take. And I mean, self-publishing, KDP, the Kindle, print on demand. These things didn't exist when I started writing. And then when they emerged, it was like, oh, yeah, let's do this. And it just exploded the potential for reaching readers across the world. Um and yeah, I mean, and I've sold books in over 200 countries now. So wow. it, it, I mean, it's just crazy what can happen if you keep, as you say, you keep focused on, I love writing and I'll, I will just keep putting my work out there. And then you take advantage of the opportunities as they arise along the way. 
Yeah. Yeah. Opportunities do keep coming. Your job is just to recognize, you know, you can't manufacture them. I, I, at least if you can, I don't know how, but I do know how to stay open to them and to recognize them when they come and to sort of just trust in their arrival. I, I always think of it I, to me, it is so much like writing. Like I write, I don't know. I mean, I kind of know what I'm going to write about, but I really am interested in what I don't know when I start writing, even though I write only nonfiction, I still don't know a lot. And it's the discovery that makes it interesting to me. And the, and every idea that comes to me, Joanna, feels like one of those opportunities in the macro sense of my life that come along, like getting to talk to you or whatever. These things, I don't know, they come together, just like an idea comes together or an essay comes together. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. And actually the biggest problem, I mean, the beginning, and I still remember how it felt at the beginning, you think, uh, I don't have any ideas. I can't write right. this because I don't I don't know anything. I, I, I am with fiction, particularly, I don't have any ideas. But then what happens when you start writing and you kind of start flowing and things yeah. start, you, you start opening your mind to possibility, the ideas become more the problem because you have so many ideas, right. you then have to corral them. And I mean, I've got a number of drives where I keep ideas for books and I start I kind of move them around depending on which one I think I might write next and there's, there's about 25 in there at whoa. the moment whoa <laughs> you got you're gonna be busy you got another decade just stuck in there right now well you know if you want to catch up with Stephen King you, you need to oh. get going on it <laughs> I'm so glad you're writing a book called The Relaxed Writer I I am totally relaxed in my writing. I, I so relaxed now. I can't quite believe it. But I have to say, I'm. I, it has been the best way to write for me. I don't, and I know nothing about this book except the title, and I like it because I, if it's what I think it is, I'm in total agreement with me. But maybe talk to me just a little bit about being a relaxed writer as opposed to a tense writer. A yeah, well, it, it's um, <laughs> it is. It's called the relaxed author. author. Uh, yeah, and it's um take the pressure off your art and enjoy the creative journey is the subtitle. And it's got section. The first section is writing, then publishing, then marketing, then business. So it really covers the whole, the whole right. thing. And the reason we wrote it is because people, people get so hit up about all these areas and the, like the writing people think, Oh, especially in the indie author space. No, I mean, in traditional publishing too, it's like, Oh, I should write, um, uh, you know, uh, this, a serial killer thriller. Cause that's in right now. Or I should right, write a, right. a witch cozy, or I should write, you know, a, a um you know a protagonist that does is a mental patient or you know there's all these things that become trendy so people think oh I must write that but if you don't read that if you don't love that then just relax and write what you love and eventually I mean like Anne Rice famously said vampires just keep coming back Uh, you know (laughs) if if the trend is for vampires now and then it fades away it's going to be back in a few years because people love vampires and the same is true for all these things and what's wonderful about online um, sales is that you can find the books you love readers find the books they love so it doesn't have to be what's in the physical bookstore if you love this genre write it publish it and people will find it so I think the idea of the relaxed author was just trying to like we talked about take the pressure off and this is it's meant to be the place you come to for your solace it's meant to you know like we were in the pandemic still you know you're meant to be able to run to your writing and love it there as opposed to making it a stressful place where you get annoyed and upset so let's keep it sacred yeah you know i think it's good joanna i i do think that um you know i i, I get there are people who work well with deadlines and kind of like the energy around 
what they would call pressure. But I think that most pressure is manufactured and it's assigning a sort of threat where there, where there isn't one. You know, it's a belief in if this doesn't happen, some, there's going to be some end to happiness, to well-being. And that creates this sense of I've got to have this. And I will tell you, Joanna, I worked with that for years and it led me nowhere. I did not have any success because I put tremendous pressure on myself to sort of succeed or else. And I didn't. And I survived and I went on to become more relaxed about it. But it didn't work for me. And I don't think it works for most people. I think that threat, that kind of, you know, life or death thing, I just think it undoes us. It puts, it, it creates a, a tension at the desk that does not need to be there. Mm, I do think that's, um, I think that's a personality thing. And also it's interesting hearing that from you as a traditionally published author where a contract will have a date, a delivery date. In. I know. And also you've, you're editor-in-chief of Author Magazine, right? Yes, so you have yeah. to get things on deadline. I do, I do. It's true. And I've, <laughs> I've learned how to do it so it's relatively stress-free. But also when I get a contract, I can always write the book faster than they need it. Because the kinds of books I write now, I can just want, it's very, they're easy for me to write. I, I know I'm not supposed to say that, but they are. Like I don't, I know how to do it. It's so natural to me. And maybe the next one I'll have trouble with, but I don't. I was going to say, Bill, it sounds like you need a challenge. I, the challenge for me <laughs> is finding the next interesting thing. Once I'm interested, once I got an idea, I'm good to go. You know, uh, <laughs> the, challenge, the challenge is waking up and being disciplined in my thinking and not letting my mind wander where it should not be and causing me trouble. That's the big challenge in my life, Joanna. Um, all right. So uh, look, you're just cooking along. You're having fun. You're doing your podcast. When Joanna gets up in the morning, I, what what does she look forward to? What is the thing? What is she? What is it that just gets her going? Uh, coffee, uh, coffee a lot of black, right. a lot of black coffee yeah yeah <laughs> um no to be honest I really think that normally for me I will always have a lot of plant like travel plans and one of the reasons I've started doing these pilgrimages in the UK is because of the pandemic and because of not being able to go anywhere yeah. so and that's why I'm turning them into other books so normally I would have all these trips planned out into the future and I would be writing books around that right. so um, I had planned a big um, book in Japan and I was going to go do the thing so uh, but a lot of my days my days are generally my normal days are separated into creating in the morning and then business stuff in the afternoon and so I would I go to a cafe or a co-writing space and do my writing or oh editing. you're one of those oh um, yeah <laughs> you're a public space writer okay why so that's interesting just to I, I where I'm sitting right now this is exactly where I write the door is closed it's my sanctuary don't come in here although I did write for a time at a cafe when I was spending way too much time at, indoors to so talk to me why the space why go out in public to write well, because uh, like you, I'm in my home office right now, but at this desk, I do my podcast, I do the right. interviews like this, I do my accounting, I do email, I do social media, and I do all those things. And so I find that I need a separate space to do my fiction and my nonfiction first words and editing, really. I just like to be somewhere that is not the same space, because otherwise I just sit here, I'm like, oh, I'll just check my email, or Aha, I just check yes, Twitter, okay. or all whatever. Right. So, but yeah. when I go to the cafe, I'm like, okay, I can really only be here for like two and a half hours, 
because then they want the table back, you know. Right. So um, what sh- what can I do in that that time? And so I don't waste time checking anything. I just do my words and and that's done. And th- so that works for me. Um, and I do wear noise cancelling headphones. Uh-huh. And I, I also have a whole ergonomic setup. So I I, I have my, my neck, you know, in the right position. I'm, I'm pretty OCD about posture. You're not embarrassed. <laughs> You know, you're not even the tiniest bit self-conscious about. Not at all, because this oh, is my health. I, I also have another book called The Healthy Writer, which uh-huh. is all about, you know, back authors suffer from tremendous pain, back pain, neck pain, oh. all kinds of pain, eye strain. So, again, you know, I worked as a, an IT consultant and then as a full time author and we spend a lot of time at the computer. So essentially. This is so important, again, for people listening, in order to maintain your creativity long-term, you have to maintain your physical body long-term. Yes, that's right. You know what I do right after I write every morning, Joanna? I exercise. That's the next thing I do. So yeah, and me too. Yeah, pretty. Yeah. And also, that's another thing. When I go to the cafe or the co-working space, it's half an hour walk each way. So I always get up and down a hill. So I get right. a baseline activity separate to working out with weights and all that kind of thing. All right. So people listening are probably fascinated by you. Uh, And if they want to learn more about you, Joanna, uh, I mean, they can just Google your name. But, you know, what's the bet if they want to if they are interested to listen to your podcast, maybe even beyond your podcast or buy your books, where should they go? What's the best route? Well, uh, the Creative Pen podcast, pen with a double N, or thecreativepen.com, pen with a double N, and also the Creative Pen on Twitter. And my fiction is under JF Pen. And I have a, another podcast called Books and Travel, which is all about the travels behind our writing. So, yeah, come on over. Wait a minute. It just occurred to me, and this is how dim I am, Joanna. <laughs> That's your last name. Is that your actual last name? Yes, it is my actual last name. Born for it. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, my my son, he went to his kindergarten or his his elementary school. His his music teacher was named Mrs. Clapper and the principal was named Mrs. Smart, like everybody. And so the writing teacher would have been Mrs. Penn. That is hilarious. Okay, you were just born to write. You were born to write, Joanna. Clearly, I was indeed. (laughs) All right. Listen, I got one more question for you. One more. And. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to finish this sentence. If writing all all the right, you've done so much writing, Joanne, all the writing you've done has taught you anything. It's taught you what? How to live. Hey, this is why I do this podcast. What it takes (laughs) to write is what it takes to live. Good for you. So what I, I'm just, I have to ask though, what if, how, what has it taught you about living? What is, how has well, it taught you how to live? I, I don't know what I think until I've written it. So, and right. what, and I, my journal. So all through the pandemic, for example, our latest world crisis, uh, my journals have been the place where I have, you know, <sighs> cried everything out and stressed sure. out and, yeah. and fig- thought the end of the world was coming and all yeah. the things that's where I work my life out. And it, as soon as I feel like things are overwhelming me, I will write in my journal and it will be, so writing is the place I work everything out and figure out my life and uh, think what I think about people. And so it really is, I think most people who are, who love writing, who write lots of books, they have a default way of working out and it is writing. So if you feel that way as a listener, for example, just go with it, like, let it be that thing. And, and yeah, love what you do. 
I like. Good answer. Joanna, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Bill. Yeah, so what do you think of that? Writing's like life. It teaches her, teaches her about life, teaches you about life, teaches all of us about life. Life is a creative act, people. It's a creative act. Y'all got what it takes to create. If you got desire and imagination, you got everything you need. That does it. That's all you need, and everybody's got it. So, uh, hey, that was a lot of fun. I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Uh, it's been great as always. I'll be back again next week with another show. Yes, I will be. But until then... All you fabulous people, go find something you love to do and do it.